I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for Jesus Christ. It's because of him we live, we move, and we have our very being. I pray right now in his name that every ear will hear and every heart will receive what you have planned for us. I pray that today will truly be a day and a moment where we can appreciate the gifts that you have given to the body of Christ. And I pray for pastors all over the world that, Father, they will feel love, they will receive love, and that, Father, their churches will help them to be loved in the name of Jesus. And every pastor, Father, who may feel like quitting, I pray that you will strengthen them with might by your power and by your spirit. And I pray today, God, that something, this prayer will somehow reach the hearts of those who are ready to throw in the towel. I pray that you will strengthen them today in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Like I said, October is a time where we honor and we celebrate ministers and clergy for the work that they do. And here is why serving in ministry is a calling and not a career. Everybody say serving in ministry is a calling and not a career. See, here's the thing. You can quit a job, but you can't quit a call. Amen. And so today I want to share a message that I believe will bless you, but it's also going to bless me today. And so if you're taking notes, the message title is, Bless Your Pastor and Not Stress Your Pastor. Everybody say, Bless Your Pastor and Not Stress Your Pastor. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just jump right in and I'm going to give just points, points, points. I got about nine. I don't know if I'll get through with all of them, but I just want to share some points with you on how to bless your pastor and not stress your pastor. So here's point number one. You bless your pastor when you understand the purpose of a pastor. You bless your pastor when you understand the purpose of a pastor. I'm coming right out of the gate with a take-home statement. Here's a take-home statement if you're taking notes. When you understand, you can appreciate. When you don't understand, you will depreciate. I'm going to say that again. I'm talking about understanding the purpose of a pastor. When you understand, you can appreciate. When you don't understand, you will depreciate. Now, depreciate means to lower the value of something. Uh, there was this antique show that I used to watch a lot and people would bring their items that maybe somebody gave them or they inherited or they found at a, you know, at a Goodwill or at some type of uh, a garage sale. And uh, there was an expert who would look at the item and uh, determine the value. 
And there were some items that people would bring in and they were shocked of how much money these items were worth and valued at. And watch this. You better believe the way they thought about that item when they brought it in was definitely different when they took it out. Amen. And so when you understand, you can appreciate. When you don't understand, you will depreciate. And so a pastor is a gift. Everybody say a pastor is a gift. A pastor is the gift uh, that's been given by God, and he's here to lead, feed, protect, and perfect. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, they're going to put it on the screen, and I'm going to go a little fast today. He says, and I, this was God talking, he says, I'm going to give you some pastors that I have according, uh, I have sent that's according to my heart. And then watch what he says about these pastors. They're going to feed you with knowledge, and they're going to feed you with understanding. The uh, NLT of Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. So, first of all, we read in Jeremiah that God said he was going to give us some pastors that came directly from his heart. And now we're reading in the New Testament. It says these are the gifts that Christ has given the church. Well, let's see what these gifts are. He says the apostles, the prophets, the, the evangelists, and the pastors, and what else? teachers and this is what it says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do whose work to do his work and then their also their responsibility is to build up the church which is the body of Christ so pastors are gifts and God's called them to perfect and prepare the saints so they can use their gifts and their abilities watch this to grow God's kingdom and to serve the body of Christ And so you bless your pastor when you have a biblical perspective of the role that they have in your life. Because if you understand, you'll appreciate. If you don't understand, you'll depreciate. I think y'all got it. And the right biblical understanding of what a pastor does, watch this now, he equips the body to do the work of ministry. He did, listen, he's not supposed to do the work of ministry by himself. Actually, he, listen, his job really is to perfect the saints and equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Say amen to that. So that takes us to now point number two. So first one is you bless your pastor when you understand his role. Number two, you bless your pastor when you submit to his delegated authority. Amen. Delegated authority is when a person has been authorized and empowered by the leader to oversee, to manage, to care, and watch this, and also to take care of the people or area or group they've been assigned to. Now, one of the best examples of delegated authority is found in Exodus chapter 18, and this is when Moses was uh, with his his father-in-law, and his father-in-law saw him trying to help the people, but he saw what his what Moses was doing. It was like, oh, this is not good. So we're going to pick up the story because this is why I have delegated pastoral authority in our church. In, in Exodus 18, I'm reading out of the New King James Version this morning. Uh, I'm starting at verse 13. It says, and so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. I guarantee you that was tiring. So then verse 14, it says, so when his, when his father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? 
He says, why are you sitting alone and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? Verse 15. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people came to me to inquire of God. And when they have a dip, and when they have difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one another. And I make known the statutes of God and his laws. And so Moses, his father-in-law said to him, the thing that you're doing is not good. Do you know that you can have right intentions, but have wrong ways of carrying it out? He says, the thing that you do is not good. He says, both you and these people who are with you, they're going to surely wear themselves out. For this thing that you do is too much for you. You're not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice and I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And then he says, and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way. Watch this now. Watch my responsibility. Show them the way that they must walk and then work that they must do. He says, moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God. Watch this, men of truth. Notice the criteria for people who need to oversee people. They need to have a fear of God. They need to be men or women of truth. They must hate covetousness or greed and place such over them to be, watch this, these are the levels, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifty, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter, they will bring it to you. But every small matter... They themselves shall judge. And he says, this will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. Everybody say, they will bear the burden with you. Amen. And that's the whole point of having delegated authority, for them to bear the the burden with you. And this is why the average church in America is about 40 to 60 people. It's not because the pastor doesn't have a great vision. It's not because the people, the, the pastor doesn't have great people. In most cases, it's because the pastor or the people don't want the church to grow. They want the pastor to go to the hospital. They want the pastor to come to the graduations. They want the pastor to come and bless the house. They want the pastor to come and pray the prayer of faith. But see, the problem with that is, uh, that means you want to keep everything to yourself. Because if you get healed at church, the average person is going to go tell somebody, hey, you know what, I got healed at church. Well, when you do that, what's going to happen? People going to come. So, the church stays small so the pastor can do everything. He says in verse 23, if you do this thing, in other words, if you delegate some people and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all this people and will also go to their place in peace. And so Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law. He did all that he said to do. And so in verse 25, Moses chose able men out of Israel. And he made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifty, rulers of tens. And so they judged the people at all times. The hard cases, they brought them to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. And this is why, again, I have pastors on staff. Why? So they could help me with the, with the, with the management and with the burden. Say amen to that. They are here to care for and manage the flock. Listen to now. I'm about to say something that's very important. They are not a replacement of me. They are a representative of me. Yes. And I, I've said this before, but I, because 
of what I'm doing. I'm actually ordaining and licensing people. I think it's, it, it bears repetition. And so let me say this. Touch your neighbor and say, this is about to be heavy. Okay. No one should have more spiritual weight in your life as a member of this church than me. I'm going to say it again. No one should have more spiritual weight in your life as a member of this church than me. Now, you say, well, pastor, what about other pastors? Go to, we're going to look at Numbers 27. Numbers 27 and look in verse 15. Here's the problem when other people have spiritual weight in your life and you are a member here. Uh, they can be taking you in a direction God don't even want you to go in. The whole point of having a pastor is for them to lead you and feed you and guide you and direct you. And why are you getting all this guiding and directing outside of your church? Okay, Numbers twenty-seven, fifteen. it says, uh, I know, I'm going to keep going. And Moses spoke to the Lord. He says, Lord, the, the God of all spirits, of all flesh, he says, set a man over the congregation. That sounds like a pastor. And this person uh, needs to go out before them, or the, before the congregation, and that they may go in before them, and they, they may lead them out, and which may bring them in. And so that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. And so the Lord said to Moses, he, he says, look, I want you to take Joshua, the son of Nun, and I want, he's a man in whom the spirit is, and I want you to lay your hands on him. That's what I'm going to do in the second service. And then he says in verse 19, and set him before the Eleazar, the priest, and then I want you to do this in front of the whole congregation, and I want you to give him a charge in their sight. I'm going to do that in the second service. In verse 20, he says, and you shall put some of your honor on him. Notice God told Moses to put some of his honor on Joshua. He didn't tell him to put all of his honor on Joshua. He said, put some of your honor. And then he says, why? So that the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. So the whole point in delegated authority is that they get some of my honor, which means that they are a representative. Now, if I gave them all of my honor, that means they're a replacement. And that's not the case. Say amen to that. And so you should have much respect. If I say much respect, you should have much respect for the pastor that I have put in place here at our church. But your respect for them should never override the honor and respect you give me as a senior pastor. So don't say to them, hey, I want to tell you something, but please don't tell pastor. No, don't let, don't do that. Don't do that because you're going to get them fired. Don't do that. (laughs) Amen. And then please don't expect me to back you up and you wrong when they, when they dealing with you. Because I, I see members, they say, don't even talk to the, don't talk to the staff. You need to talk to the pastor. Well, I'm not going to override the rules I gave them. Amen. I need to be nice. Today is my day. Praise God. <laughs> I'm giving $5 there. $5. $5 to the pastor. Amen. Let me, let me add this by saying everyone who is in the church or who may leave this church doesn't always represent me or have been sent out by me. Okay. So if you 
run across somebody in the church and they don't have my heart and spirit, don't walk away as if that's our whole church. No, that's one person who's not representing me properly. Say amen to that. See, sheep and goats intermingle sometimes. They all sound like they say the same. Bah, bah. Yeah, they do. Goats and sheep sound the same, but you got to look real close because goats but Sheep don't. Sheep follow goats butt. You say, what do you mean? Uh, I know pastor said this butt. I know he put pastor Jonathan over this here butt. I know, I know, I know, but look at your neighbor and say, but what? You have sheep, you have goats, but then you have wolves. Now, see, here's the thing about wolves. Wolves can disguise themselves as sheep. But their whole motive is to do three things, is to divide, is to detour, and to devour the sheep. And sheep don't know that because sheep, the sheep are not really protective of themselves. As a matter of fact, if a sheep falls over, they cannot correct themselves and get back on their feet. They have to have somebody to help them get back on their sheep, on their feet. And so what happens is uh, sometimes wolves come in and they look like a sheep. And sometimes they might even sound like a shepherd. But what you don't know is that they are ravening wolves and they want to divide. They want to detour you and they want to devour you. Acts chapter 20 verse 28 says this. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God. That's me, of course, which he has purchased with his own blood. Watch verse 29. He says, for I know this, that after I'm leaving, after my departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you. Notice they're among you. And they don't, they won't spare the flock. Watch verse 30. Also of, on, of your own selves, men shall rise up. That's from within. Say amen to that. They shall rise. And I don't have nobody in mind. So just know I'm just preaching the word. I'm just preaching the word. He says, also, uh, men, they shall, uh, shall arise speaking perverse things. Perverse things. What is that? Uh, it's just stuff that's not true. You know, some people will lie just to get your heart. That's what Absalom did. He lied to get the people's hearts. It says they speak perverse things, but their whole point is to draw away disciples after them. Say amen to that. Amen. Listen, if I have sent somebody out, you will know it. Because I'll tell you. Amen. Praise God. Here, let me get to point number three. That was too heavy. Here's point number three. Here's number three. You bless your pastor when you operate with biblical confrontation rather than divisive conversation. I'm going to say it again. I know this is tough. I know I'm supposed to give y'all a happy message. But see, a good pastor is going to give you the word. Amen. You bless your pastor. When you operate with a, with biblical confrontation rather than divisive conversation. 
You say, what do you mean by that? Listen to the living Bible of Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. So many believers do this. He says, if a brother sins against you, go on Facebook and tell everybody about it. Did he say that? If your brother sins against you, take a poll on Instagram to decide what you should do. No, it didn't say that, did it? It says, if your brother sins against you, go to him how, church? How? Privately and confront him or her with his fault. If he listens and confesses it, you have won back your brother. A lot of times when someone sins against you, they don't even know they sins against you. But you're like, they know what they did. Not really. He says, but if not, after you go to him or her personally or privately, he says, but if not, then take one or two others with you and go back to him again, proving everything by these witnesses. And that's where we get in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. That's where we get that from. In other words, if you go to your brother privately about something that they did or said, and you can't resolve it with them. Well, I ain't say that, but I didn't. And you have proof. Okay, so then you bring two more people, one or two more people with you. And then it says in verse 17, if this person still refuses to listen, then take your case up with the church. That's when I get involved. Don't bring me in it yet. Brother so-and-so uh, 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 came and did some work in my house and he didn't do the work right. Well, first of all, why am I in it? Because I didn't tell you to use brother so-and-so. Let's start with that. Secondly, you haven't even told brother so-and-so about what's going on. He says, listen, go to the church and if the church verdict favors you but he won't accept it, then watch this. Then the church should excommunicate him. Doggone it, just put him out. Put them out. Here's a fourth way you can bless your pastor. You bless your pastor when you submit to his leadership and help to fulfill the vision that God has given him. And I'm so thankful for Word of Truth Family Church because you all, when I said, God, let's do something, you all have been right behind me and say, let's do it, pastor. Amen. And that's how it should be. That's how it should be. In the New Living Translation of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. Man, I tell you what, some of y'all souls hard to watch over, I promise you. Man, I wake up with some of y'all, I'm like, Lord, I need to pray for them. I don't know what's going on in their life, but Lord, please help them in Jesus' name. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. They, their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for you, for your benefit. Did you know, church, that your calling can come from the pastor's vision? A lot of people are like, I don't know what I'm called to do. Well, I believe if you just jump into the vision that God's given the pastor that, of the church you belong to, I believe you can discover your calling in that vision. In Acts 16, verse 8, we can see an example of that. It says, and they, was talking about Paul, and they were passing by Mysia down to Troas, and a vision appeared to who? To Paul in the night. It didn't say the vision appeared to them all. God don't speak to groups. 
He might confirm through groups, but he don't speak to groups because everybody's going to see something different, say something different. That's the only reason we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all say the, saw the same thing in different perspectives. So God don't speak to groups. He's going to speak to a leader. Well, he spoke to Paul in the night through a vision. And there stood a man in Macedonia, Macedonia and prayed and said, hey, come over into Macedonia and help us. Watch verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, watch what happened. Immediately, what's the next word? We. It went from he to we. He seen the vision. Immediately, we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Watch this church. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called who? He called us to do what? To preach the gospel. Their calling to preach the gospel came out of the vision that Paul had. Do you see that? And listen, the only reason I believe, or one of the reasons that I'm here pastoring today is because I got involved in the vision of previous pastors and in, watch this, and in getting involved in the vision, I learned some of my giftings and some of my abilities. They surfaced. I didn't know I had a gift of administration. Until I got involved in the church. It wasn't until I got involved that my giftings began to surface and flourish. Say amen to that. Here's number five. This is how you can bless your pastor. It blesses your pastor when you pray for him regularly. I don't even need a scripture for that one. Amen. Thank you. I need prayer. So pastor, why do you need prayer? How many of you could raise your hand and say you could use prayer? That's why I need it. (laughs) I need it because you need it, right? And you know what? Uh, I'm not saying I need it more than you, but from a pastoral perspective, you need to pray. Because the enemy, the Bible says, if you smite the shepherd, the sheep are going to scatter. It didn't say if you smite a sheep, the sheep is going to scatter. No, if you smite the shepherd. And that's why he will fight tooth and nail to try to bring a pastor's life down. But see, as you can see, I'm still standing. (laughs) <laughs> Glory be to God, and I look much better than I used to look. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. No, I see people on the street and say, Pastor Evan, you look so good. I say, I know it. Thank you. Listen, if you got a wife that look like me, you can't help but look good. No, no, first lady makes me look good. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She does. There's no shade on nobody, so don't don't look at it like that. Here's another way you can bless your pastor. It blesses your pastor when you honor his wife and his children. Amen. Everybody say, uh, don't you just can't honor me and dishonor first lady. It just don't work like that. You can't walk up to me and hug me and be all nice and shake my hand and then just walk past her. That's not honor. You're not honoring me when you do that. Amen. Amen. It's like a husband and a wife. If I don't honor your wife, then I'm not honoring you. Say amen to that. Amen. Here's another point. I'm going fast here. Blessing your pastor. Watch this one. This is good. Blesses you. Look at the New Living Translation of 2 Kings chapter 4. It's talking about the prophet Elijah who who really functioned in a pastoral type role. But I just want to show you that when you bless a man of God, God will bless you. It says one day, I'm in uh, 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 8. Uh, it says one day Elijah went to the town of Shunem and a wealthy woman lived there and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he could stop by and eat. Verse 9. She said to her husband, 
I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. I like that because you can have men of God, but they're not all holy men of God. Amen. Amen. Listen, uh, first lady lives with me. I live a holy life. I ain't on the internet searching for naked women. Oh, it's quiet, ain't it? I'm not sleeping around, sleeping with the sheep. None of y'all got my draws. Praise God. No, I'm just saying, because we grew up in churches. No, come on, stay with me. We grew up in churches where the pastor had three and four women pregnant with five, six, seven kids. That ain't the case. Amen. Praise the Lord. I didn't mean to go that ghetto, but it just came out like that. She said to her husband, this is a holy man of God. Verse 10. She said, let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed and table and chair and a lamp. And then when he, he will have a place to stay when he comes by. I want y'all to pay attention to what this lady did. She didn't just put $5 in the, in the value, the visionary envelope. Here you go, man of God. This lady built a house on to, she added to her house. She spent some money to build a house for this man of God to come and stay in. And then verse 12 says, one day, or verse 11, one day Elijah returned to Shunem and he went up to this upper room to rest. And he said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. And when she appeared, verse 13, Elijah said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? And I'm going to show you this at the end, that when you and I learn how to give, giving produces fruit. But also fruit also produces asking status. If you notice here, they decided I want to we want to bless this man of God to the point where he said, what can I do for you? Well, let's see what happened. He said, can I put in a good word from you for the king or the commander of the army? She says, no, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elijah asked Gehazi again. He says, what can we do for this lady? And so Gehazi replied, well, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. He said, call her again. So Elijah told him. And so when the woman returned, Elijah said to her as she stood at the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. And she said, oh, no, my Lord. She, he, she cried, oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. It's funny how she saw it and she knew she was dealing with a holy man. But now he's going to tell her something that her heart's desire wants. And it's hard for her to believe that. He said, but, but it says in verse 17, but sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elijah had said. Did you notice that when this woman blessed the man of God, she got blessed? Amen. Everybody say, blessing your pastor blesses you. Now, it's hard to bless who you don't respect. It's very hard. That's why it's hard to, to do work at work because you don't respect your boss. The problem is God didn't ask us to give honor or respect because they deserve it. He says do it because that's the office that they walk in. I don't care if you do or don't like the president. When he stand, when he come in the room, what you supposed to do? What you, you supposed to stand up? Now, if you don't stand up, I don't know what's going to happen, but the secret service is in there. 
And this is why you should always keep your heart right towards your pastor. Why? Because God uses them to bless you. Can you imagine you having a bad heart towards your pastor and, and he's giving you the word of God for your life and you can't receive the word because you upset with the pastor? Amen. And this is why it's good to give to your pastor. You say, well, why? Well, because it's hard to be mad at somebody you're giving to. Do you know giving will help keep your heart right? Okay, watch this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. Watch what it says. Jesus said, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Watch what he says in verse 21. He says, but where your treasure is. What's another word for treasure? Money. So where your money is, there will your heart be also. You, you Listen, that's why if you want your heart straight towards somebody, bless them. If you want to keep your heart right towards your pastor, bless them. Amen. Listen, if you want to keep your heart right towards your spouse, bless them. If you want to keep your heart right towards your, your boss, oh, y'all didn't like that, did you? Giving helps keep your heart straight. And the last thing you want as a sheep is to let your heart get off with your shepherd. But you know, people don't really understand that just like you have to keep your heart right towards me, I got to keep my heart right towards you. I think it's easier for a pastor to keep his heart right towards the people because I always have to give to y'all. Remember, giving keeps your heart straight, right? And see, this is one of the reasons I consistently, everybody say consistently. I consistently bless my pastor. Number one, I'm a, I, I, it helps me keep my heart right towards him. But I know that blessing my pastor blesses me. I mean, recently they just had a, a 48 uh, year anniversary. Man, that's that's a plausible in these days. 48 years of being married to this. I ain't talking about 48 years where you got 24 with this person, 10 with this person, 14 with this person. No, no, no. It was 48 straight years with the same person. Man, I look, uh, that's that's worthy. I, I, I sent him a check for $2,500 just saying, hey, I'm going to congratulate you all, right? That's me being a blessing, right? Amen. And so I've learned over the years, uh, one of the things that I had to learn was to accept the fact that most of the time, my members are not going to understand the difficulty that it takes or what that comes with pastoring. They're not, y'all not going to get it. And one of the things that made it challenging for me is when I expected y'all to get it and y'all didn't get it, but y'all not supposed to get it. Amen. And this is where as a pastor, a pastor, uh, this, when you see a pastor fussing, it's because he's not connected to someone he can fuss up about. See, you don't fuss down, you fuss up. Amen. I remember years ago, I'm closing. I remember years ago, I, our church was growing and I had to fire my first staff member. And man, I was not happy about that. It was a very difficult time for me. I had never fired a church first. Because it's different. Listen, listen, it's different when you're a pastor because you're not just firing a, a, a staff person. You're also firing a member. Because I'm their pastor and I'm their boss, right? So I was struggling at this time. And I never forget God used a member to bless me. They brought me a, a, a greeting card, and in it was Proverbs 11.25. It says this, The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters shall be watered himself. The NIV version, which was in the card that they gave me, 
It said a generous man will prosper and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And I never forget when I read that card, man, it was just God was saying, cause see, I was watering here, refreshing here, watering here, refreshing here, watering here and refreshing here. And you know, I started getting weary and well doing. And so God reminded me of Galatians 6, 9. He said, don't be weary and well doing because due season's going to come and you'll reap if you don't faint. Amen. And so I'll, I'll never forget. At, at the moment of me being discouraged, God used the member to bless me. Save into that. Amen. And so uh, uh, it was a Monday night. I, I had to fire this person. And uh, y'all know this part because I was laying in the bed. Because, you know, have you, do you know doing the right thing doesn't always feel good? I knew I did the right thing. It just didn't feel good. And sometimes when you don't feel good, you get in a funk. How many have ever been in a funk? We want the funk. Yeah, I was in that. That Monday night, I was in the funk. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't want to pray for nobody. I didn't want to do You know what? I laid in the bed and I watched some Martin. I'm the man. So I watched Martin. Maybe Martin could make me feel better. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching Martin. And my phone rings. It's a member of the church, pastor. We're going out of town on vacation, and I want to drop off our tithe and offering. Well, I didn't want to see nobody because I was in a, I was in a funk. I said, well, this, I said, you faithful. Just bring it when you come back, you know, because I didn't want to see nobody. And they was like persistent, like, nope, nope, I'm not leaving town with God's money. And I was thinking, I wish all the members was like that. Y'all go to go out of town, take the Lord's money, spend it, and then say he know my heart. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, <laughs> how do you recover from that? <laughs> so finally I was like, okay. So they come by the house, uh, they give me their tithing offering, and then they give me uh, a greeting card. And so I thank them for coming, for being faithful. I put because see at the time the office was in the house. So I put the the tithing offering in the inbox where, you know, on the, on the business side. And then I just put the greeting card on the kitchen counter. I went, got back in my room, got back in the bed and I watched some Martin, I'm the man. <laughs> while I'm listening to Martin, while I'm watching Martin, God spoke, God can speak to you when you watch Martin. <laughs> he spoke to me while I was watching Martin. He says, you need to go read that card. But I said, I'm watching some Martin, I'm the man. <laughs> that's the problem, you know. That's how you say it if you, you know, grew up in the, in the suburbs. Martin, I'm the man. <laughs> I need to hurry up. So, <laughs> so anyway, I get up, I go to the kitchen, I open the card, I read it. Man, that card hit me right where I needed it, man. It, it blessed me. Everybody say, blessing the pastor can bless you. So I read the card that blessed me. And the card had a check in it, but the check was face down. I turned the check over, and the check was for $10,000. How many know I started feeling good right away? Right away. I mean, I, I, look, I, I forgot who I fired. I don't even remember their name. Who is that? Everybody say, blessing the pastor blesses you. 
So I'm going to close with Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, verse 15. This was Paul talking to the Philippian church. And they had learned to partner with Paul. And there's something in here that I want you to see that I've learned to do on a regular basis. He says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left and departed from Macedonia, he says, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving. He said, but you only. He says, but even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent once and again. And let me just say this. I appreciate all the members who sow into my life on a regular basis. There are some people here sitting among you and watching who bless Pastor Eben every month. And I appreciate you all doing that. And I'm not going to call names because that's not right. But I do want to let you know that I receive and I appreciate your gift. Can, can we give the hand clap for those who do that? Yeah. I know churches, you know, traditionally, we're going to celebrate the pastor once a year. He said they gave once and again. I appreciate that. But then verse 17, he says, not because I desire a gift. Watch what he says here as I close. He says, but I desire what, class? What? He says, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul has now put their giving in the same category as producing fruit. Do y'all see that? Now, when you go and read John chapter 15, uh, verses 17, I think it's verse 17, John 15, uh, Jesus said, let me read it to you. Uh, this is John chapter 16. Is it 16? I got a lot of verses. Wow, I would have never finished this sermon. John 15, 16. Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and I've ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And he said, and that your fruit should remain. But watch what he says. He says, when you produce fruit, whatever you ask the father in my name, I'll give it to you. Asking status comes with producing fruit. And part of producing fruit, no, I say part of producing fruit is giving. And if you'll notice, Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 6, this is when Solomon came and gave a thousand burnt offerings to the Lord. And people wonder why God gave him asking status. Because if you go back and read it, the Bible says that Solomon gave a thousand burnt offerings. And then in verse 7, it says, in that night, God appeared to Solomon and he says, ask what I shall give you. Listen, church, when you give to me today, Make sure you have something you want God to do right over here. Because asking status comes with producing fruit. And producing fruit comes when you give. Say amen to that. And I'm going to tell you something. Very seldom does God not do what I ask him to do. And as a matter of fact, there are, I, I don't remember getting a no from God. I do remember getting a not right now. Now, you say, well, you don't never get a no. Well, I try to not ask things that are not in his will. See, some things are in his will. They're just not in his will right now for you. I know you want a husband. It's in his will, but it ain't in his will right now for you. Amen. And so God has really, really. And so, so like this coming week, I'm going to be at my pastor's church. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give to my pastor. I don't know how much I've given him already this year, but I blessed him pretty good. And I'm not just talking about through our church. I'm, I'm talking about through me, through us now. I'm married. Praise God. Praise God. We get to sow the seed now to the man of God. How many ready to sow?
So listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray and ask God what he wants you to give. But here's a, here, but let me put this, let me put this caveat in there. If you're not ready to obey God on what he tells you, don't ask him. No, don't, don't ask him. Because if you ask God and he says, give Pastor Evan a thousand dollars and you go, no, I'm not going to do that. Then you've just disobeyed God. So I'd rather you not disobey God. Either ask him and you're going to do what he say or just purpose in your heart what you want to give. Because the Bible says, let every man purpose in his heart, so let him give. So so if you don't want to ask him because you don't want to hear it, fine. Just purpose in your heart because he'll bless that too. Can you say amen to that? All right. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to give. How many have already given online? You've already given? All right, all right, all right. Good, 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 good. Those of you who haven't. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, you say, Pastor Evan, if I die today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I want to pray for you.